Alrighty, hello and welcome to the new iteration of Unqualified Analysis. I am your host, Caleb Verzak, and uh, today on the very new, very, I don't know, I'm already scrambling to uh, get through this intro, the new edition of Unqualified Analysis. First off, we have got uh, College Football Playoff Committee deciding not to expand my Vikings filling out the new coaching staff, get a little reaction on that. Juwan Howard deciding to choose violence over words. Completely done with Wisconsin shit. And uh, Brian Flores finding himself in a position to be hired. We'll be getting into all of that, but before we do that, let's get into uh, some life stuff. Uh, on this new journey of unqualified analysis, if you will, I think uh, this time around, uh, I'm going to be doing a lot more uh, stories from my life. Like, uh, I mean... The last one, you know, is a lot of a lot of sports stuff. We're going through the season. I think while I'm in the season, it's probably going to be a lot of the the same the, the same stuff uh, on that front as far as just like sports analysis. But I mean, it's the off season. There's there's no football left. I mean, only thing I got on right now. I mean, changed up the setup here. I'm I'm in the living room now, just watching some some beautiful college basketball. Something I'm going to try and get into. Uh, from here on out, but, uh, I mean, without football, let me tell you, I mean, times are, times are dire right now, I mean, the withdrawals are real, uh, like, like, you know, like, if, if someone hypothetically had to quit smoking weed to, uh, pass a drug test, and, you know, to get, keep getting that buzz, they just started drinking beer instead, that's basically what I'm doing with, like, video games and stuff instead, I mean, let's just, like, get into the story from the past week, though. I mean, I'm primarily a delivery driver. Um, going around going around town, you see some some interesting stuff, especially being in East Tennessee with, like, you know, high, high meth problem here. I mean, not, not the greatest way to word that, but that big, big meth problem in this area. And uh, let, me, let me tell you, you can, you can see it. You can see it. A lot of the people I deliver to uh, have big meth problems, but that is all to say very interesting place to be delivering uh orders to yep like a crack cool one there and just pull up a seat guys this is uh this is just how the new uh iteration of the cast is gonna go it's a it's a solo cast now and you know with the exception of a few guests here and there so i mean it's gonna be a whole lot of uh slow paced shooting the shit, uh, just kind of letting you know what's going on with me. Also, you know, I'm going to get into the sports eventually, but, uh, yeah, just sticking with the, um, the life aspect here. I mean, just like going down the list. I mean, fucking awesome chock full week, just like going around town, delivering orders to people. I mean, seeing pets really just on Sunday alone. I saw a fucking to start the day, to start the Lord's day of all days. I'm talking like eight in the morning. I'm delivering this, I think it was like McDonald's to someone, and I pull up to this person's apartment, and I look look over underneath the, per the person's car, and I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm just seeing like two stray cats, it looks like, either that or they're just outdoor cats, just fucking one on top of the other, just trying to make sweet, sweet love, if you can call it love, I mean, it was pretty like, have you ever seen how cats like have sex, I know this is kind of like, a weird divergence here, but this is just kind of what I saw underneath this person's, I mean, I assume this person that I'm delivering to's car, I mean, just a cat trying its best to, to get it in with another cat, but if you haven't seen how cats have sex, or how animals have sex in general, I mean, it's truly like, 
man, an the animal kingdom has no qualms with rape, man. I mean, this thing was just like, like, I'm talking like biting the neck, like just trying to get in there. I'm not even sure it was really that successful. It didn't look like it was uh, being very successful. Um, either way, scared him off because I don't really want to see that. Uh, outside of that, not... <laughs> Not trying to see some stray cats fucking, but that is that is what you see sometimes at 8 in the morning on the Lord's Day from time to time. But I mean, just on Sunday alone, later that same day, yesterday, a beautiful day, I saw a giant dog named Beef. And I'm talking, this is like a 120, 130 pound dog, sweetest dog in the world. And I'm telling you right now, I might have to steal that name for myself for the next big dog I end up getting. I mean, Riley, the sweet, sweet pupper I have right now. Great name, just a wonderful, sweet dog, but beef for a dog that size, I mean, that is something, I'm going to have to steal that for myself. Also, sweet, sweet boy, just the, the best, most wonderful, wonderful uh, boy in the entire world. Wish I could have uh, stayed a little bit longer to uh, pet him, but I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you want to pet animals all day, just be like a delivery driver of some sort. Like, I'm talking like UPS, uh uber eats doordash like any of those like delivery services man you get like i swear at least like once a day i feel like i see a good pet to just go up there and be like hey you are you're a good dog and or cat or, or whatever i just like pet pet pets all day like i'm telling you like sometimes like that's just like the best part about this job you know not not really like sometimes all the time that's the best part about this job man i mean just like going in seeing this random pet and just going in like petting it i mean what what more can you ask for in a day than that? The best is when there's a uh, a business that has like a dog that stays around, just hangs out, hangs around the office all day. Like uh, mostly, I've seen it in my area with hairdressers. I've not really seen it in like any other establishment except for like PetSmart and Tractor Supply Company, where they actually have a dog that's like like, I don't know, like a house dog, like a, like a dog that's owned by the business owner. That's like super sweet. will come up and say hi to you. Like I'm talking like there's this one, um, one business on main street that I go to. I made a delivery just this past week. They had this sweet little dog that just looked like a Fox essentially that just like heard me come in the door. Um, and as I was going out, came up to me and just like rolled over and said scratch my belly i'm i'm adorable and let me tell you i mean you don't gotta ask me twice i did that right away man i mean dogs dogs are just the best man just the best so yeah that's a that's one thing i'm gonna use this little segment to uh highlight highlight some things that you as a customer for a delivery driver can uh do better to just make us all happy here one of those things uh just let let me pet your dog. I think it'll make everyone happy. It'll probably make your dog happy. It'll certainly make me happy. Um, it'll make you happy to see your dog happy. So, I mean, yeah, just think about it. Think about uh, if you see me coming around to uh, deliver some food, just uh, let your dog out to let me say hey to him. But uh, outside of that, on a serious note, like a real PSA for people ordering from uh, delivery apps, um, Put the name of your fucking business on your delivery directions, people. Like, this is not that hard of a concept. Like, the more detail you give me on where you are, the easier it is going to be for me to find you, the less I'm going to have to try and call you and contact you, the less you're going to get mad about it, the less I'm going to get mad about it. I mean, here's the thing. If you're in an office building and you just put 
the address of the office building and nothing else buddy i'm not a psychic i can't i can't read your mind and just see what what sweet you're in like i'm i mean there's there's this one time i can remember quite vividly i mean many times this has happened where yeah they just put down i mean generally it happens in like strip malls they just put down the address of the building then you go from uh sweet to sweet just being like hey is there such and such working here that ordered something? No. Next one over and then just keep doing that until you eventually find the right one. But like you do that in an office building, like a like a high-rise office building with like like five floors? I mean, good luck. Good luck. You're never going to find the people. So, big big PSA to people. If you don't want your shit to just be like tossed willy-nilly, I mean, put Detailed directions, uh, detailed relevant directions, like give me specific landmarks, what your business name is. Like the more detail, like pertinent detail you can put in those directions, the less pain it's going to be for pretty much everyone involved. So that's, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox there as far as like what you all should do uh, to help me out. Um, getting back to uh, just like work in general. I mean, this past week, man, you're single on Valentine's Day, working a food service job where you make tips, man, because, I mean, I had one of my best days driving, I'm, I'm, I mean, on Valentine's Day, I had one of my best days driving, like, of all time, and I mean, I worked less than I usually do, I mean, it's it, I, it was on a Monday, and Monday is when I do, you know, do recording, and that was my last uh, recording with, with Zach last week, so I mean, yeah, I was... I was clocked out by like 1, one thirty, and I still made a, a good little chunk of change. So, I mean, hey, the, the moral of the story is, I mean, you can either be sad, cold, lonely on Valentine's Day, just sitting at home watching dumbass rom-coms and crying on the couch, or you can make some money off these poor fucks who are obligated to spend money on their uh, BFs and GFs for uh, the holiday. I mean, I choose the latter because I am a cold-ass motherfucker. So, I mean, hey, if you're single on Valentine's Day like me, go get this money. It's right there, right out there for you. No one else wants to work. That's the great thing about being single. I'm going to be a little, te- little pep talk for, for fellow single people like me. You may be down in the dumps, but think about, the, think about it like this. This is probably the most freedom you're going to have for the rest of your life basically like outside of work and all that stuff like think about it when you get like when you get like a real significant other like a real serious girlfriend you're gonna have to devote a good amount of time to making sure that she's happy making sure you get some good communication in the the bottom line is you're gonna have you're gonna have less time to go out and work because you're gonna you're gonna be obligated to do this sorts of stuff that you'll be making money off of here so i say while you're single just profit off that shit as much as possible because you can just be a lean, mean, killing machine when it comes to making money, guys. I mean, just just hustle. Hustle and it'll all work out at the end. Then again, I'm living in a one-bedroom apartment, so who's to even say? Who's to even say? But, uh, yeah, outside of that, um, pretty good week. Um, going forward, I think I think next week I'm going to try to like keep like a daily journal of like what I ended up doing because I mean the days just kind of 
blur together after a certain point with the with all the work happening. It's like I feel like a lot of a lot of crazy shit happens, but I feel like it just kind of you know the waves come up, the waves come down, and I forget about it by the time I record this shit. So yeah, I'm gonna get into a little bit more like actual detail instead of just rambling for. 13 to 15 minutes or so about generally nothing. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're getting towards that time in East Tennessee where it's starting to be, it's starting to be warm, you know, warm like five out of the seven days of the week. And then those other two are just God awful, terrible fucking cold, but we're getting right towards the end of February here. Um, Really getting, starting to get warm. I might I mean, I've, I've been growing out this winter beard. I mean, this isn't like a, a, a visual podcast. Don't put this on uh, on YouTube. So, I mean, y'all can't really see. But, I mean, I've been growing out this beard since about, I don't know. I can't really remember when I started growing it. I think it was like late October, like around, uh, around Halloween, something like that. I mean, I've been growing this thing for a while. Uh, once it's consistently warm, I'm cutting this thing off again. I, it's... It's starting to get to that point where I need to get a barber to trim it or I need to make a decision about whether I really want it or not. And, um, man, I just, uh, I don't, don't want to spend money to trim it when in say a month, it's probably, probably not even going to really want it that long anymore. Probably just going to trim it off anyways. So, I mean, I've, I've think I've rambled just about long enough on the, uh, the, <laughs> the work stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, talking more about, like, just my regular life, once I'm done with work (laughs) the past week, let me tell you what, I mean, the football withdrawals have been something absolutely fierce. I mean, the gaps have been completely filled in with video games and basketball, I would say, like, 95 to 5 video games to basketball ratio there. I mean, the past week... I mean, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the call, call of Duty got towards the end of season one of their online stuff. And I was trying to get all the way to the end of that battle pass just because I don't know. I'm, I'm compulsive about these sorts of things. And then after that, they rolled right into a double XP weekend for the new battle pass. And I mean, I just wanted, you know, wanted to take as much advantage of that as possible. Moral of the story is here, basically, every day last week went as follows. Uh, wake up around uh, 6-ish, you know, get on the road by 8, uh, get back around uh, 3-ish, 2.30, 3-ish generally, don't like to work too, too late, um, you know, walk, walk Riley, walk that sweet, sweet puppy, you know, feed her all that stuff, and uh, just play Call of Duty, non-stop. Just nothing but Call of Duty. And uh, when I get tired of Call of Duty, just end out the night with uh, Dying Light 2. Because, by the way, Dying Light 2 came out like at the beginning of this month, consumed my life at the end of the football season, then fell by the wayside when the Call of Duty season came back around. And now that the double XP weekend is about done, I'm probably going to go back to uh, playing Dying Light 2 again. Uh, moral of the story here is I have zero fucking life it's a pretty good thing that i work outside for the most part because um i i don't know if i would know what the sun looks like if i just was left to my own devices with the video games that i've been doing i mean 
yeah, I just work until I get an acceptable amount of cash and then I get home and my ass fuses, becomes one with the couch cushions in a way that's just, just serendipitous. I'll tell you what, when I, when I sink into my couch for the first time after a long day of work, it's like, it's like a full body orgasm, man. I'm just like, I mean, just like full body relaxation though, except for the, not, not the full body boner type of thing that you get when, when you come, well, Maybe that maybe that's just a me thing. I digress, anyways. But um, been watching a little bit of basketball. But uh, honestly, video games mostly <laughs> mostly took took the the precedent here with like what I just uh, laid out for you. There. Also, Horizon Zero Dawn, the the second game came out. I've I've already talked to friends about this. Probably something that I'm gonna have to like push until like May because I've already been I've already got COD and I've got Dying Light two to do. I mean, holy. Holy hell! I mean, it's it's the off season, so I, this is the perfect time to just like fully dive into this. But man, this is just it is just just not not great right now as far as like having a life. But it's getting warmer, you know. I'm in a beautiful part of the country, you know. I've got a whole bunch of whole bunch of freedom, whole lot of stuff coming out of pipe. So yeah, you know, might might be doing a little bit of travels here coming up. I'll certainly be letting you guys know about that. But uh, yeah, with uh. With that being said, I mean, I've been getting, getting back into the swing of things, uh, listening to more podcasts, uh, trying to get into more sports uh, that play while football isn't in season. So I'm not just like a meth head desperately searching for the next hit of that sweet, sweet crystal when mid-February rolls around. Um, so yeah, I've been listening to like, uh, specifically Spittin' Chicklets. I've really been enjoying that one, trying to get into hockey because I feel like that's just like... Ah, yes, that's the sport I really should have played from the time I was a kid. Like, I should have just, like, said fuck football and just went with hockey. I mean, I don't know if my parents would have would have flipped the bill for all that equipment and ice time it would have taken to, like, actually uh, play and stuff like that. But, man, hockey just, the culture, the guys. I need. I really want to know more about hockey. So, yeah, I've been uh, been listening to, to the Chicklets boys a little bit. Uh, I think... Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee Show Incorporated offices put out the, what is it, That's Hockey Talk, uh, with, I think Mike Rupp is absolute gem on that show, he tells some, some great stories, really the, the big reason why I, I listen in once a week, but uh, yeah, that's really what the, I've been up to on that front, and on that podcasting front, I think uh, as part of this little uh, life update segment, uh, I'm going to do some, some uh, podcast recommendations, because basically... All I do all day is just ride around in the car, and I need something to fill that silence. Otherwise, it's just going to be me riding around, just just staring out, being bored. And I mean, you can't have that. So I mean, I like to have, like to have some information coming in every once in a while. I like to like to kick on some tunes if I need to need to pump it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, with the the sheer volume of podcasts I listen to, I mean, it's absolutely impressive. And I figure uh, I should I should pass on some of these uh, podcasts I've found, just like recommendations for y'all. So uh, yeah, as a part of this little section, I'm gonna you know drop in one or two podcasts I've been maybe just found or been really liking for for a while that you know I think y'all might like too. So uh, first and foremost, talking about podcast, uh, getting into um, new sports, or well, maybe not new sports, but just kind of getting caught up on sports I already know. Old Man and the Three, that's my favorite absolute favorite new sports podcast out right now uh 
hugely helpful for me getting caught up on the NBA, uh, who to watch for, uh, how the modern game is played, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's J.J. Redick and Tommy Alter, who honestly, I don't know who Tommy Alter is. I think he's just mostly a, uh, a producer type of, type of guy, but mainly the star of the show here is J.J. Uh, Redick. Uh, I think he's kind of what what makes the the straw that stirs the drink here, man. I think the the conversations that he can have with players, I mean, I would rather listen to those than just about any like basketball analyst convos ever. Because I mean, that's that he can get so deep just being. I mean, he played in the NBA for what 15, 13 years or something like that. So he just has that innate basketball IQ to where he can sit down with these guys like, uh, like Draymond, uh, CP three, CP three, especially since he, he played with him for a long time in LA and he can get so much deeper than you normally would see in a lot of these other podcasts. Just like telling you just how the game is broken down because I mean, it's, it's JJ Redick who, I mean, if you stick around the, if you stick around any league for, 10 plus years, let alone 13, 15, whatever it was. I probably should know that off the top of my head. But, uh, I mean, you're going to just pick up an innate amount of, like, an, an, a crazy amount of basketball IQ, very easy for me to say. And it just comes through on the podcast, especially the one with CP3. I feel like I was learning all sorts of stuff left and right. So, yeah, that, that one's helped me kind of catch up with uh, what's going on with the NBA specifically. Um Especially over this past week, where I talked about, I watched a little bit of basketball, saw the end of that uh, Bucks 76ers game because I had a little bit of scratch moolah on that one that I didn't end up winning anything from. But great ending nonetheless. Uh, a lot of good basketball this year, a whole lot of parody in the East in general. But uh, yeah, really loving that podcast. Gonna keep listening to that. Definitely going forward. Gonna help me. Uh, Maybe maybe present some good content to you about the basketball season because we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But the, the 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 video games really cut into my basketball watching time over the uh, the past week. But uh, another podcast, the uh, last one I'm going to recommend for this week, one that I really just started listening to. Both of these I really just started listening to this week. But uh, this one, not a sports podcast, but World on Drugs, World on Drugs with Steve Fury. Uh, kind of a diamond in the rough. I just kind of uh, found this through happenstance. Uh, Steve Fury, uh, stand-up comedian, he he appeared on Sarah Weinshank's podcast called Shank this past Wednesday. And I mean, I just really liked the the vibe of the guy. Um, found out he had a podcast on like criminal underworld, on uh, like you know, criminals and drugs and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, give it a try. And I mean, I'll tell you what, man. It's obviously, it's a podcast much like this one that's like, you know, not very far off the ground. Like, it's still kind of figuring out the structure and Fury's kind of figuring out how he wants to to do everything with it. But what he he's doing as far as the information-wise, I really, I cannot get enough of it. Because he's going into, he's not just going into Escobar, El Chapo, Griselda Blanco, I mean, uh mm, I forget names. I really just put myself on the spot by going for a fourth there. That was pretty aggressive. But really, any of those names you might have heard in Narcos, he's he's going for uh, uh, Hawaii Gardens. Uh, um, trying to think. Uh, Charles Void Harrelson. Uh, Woody Harrelson's dad. I mean, just just um, stories that you might not have heard before. 
that if you're really interested in like the criminal underworld, like organized crime and stuff like that, it's something that's like very, very informative. And he, and he mixes it because I mean, he's a stand-up comedian. He mixes it with, with comedy in a way where it really is like, I mean, people my age, I mean, I'm 25. I mean, people my age and younger and around my age, we all learn better when we're entertained at the same time. And I think that's, I think Fury is kind of hitting that like on the head. Uh, I think going forward, I, I don't really want to want to talk too much on, on what it's going to turn into. But yeah, I really, really like the vibe. Sometimes he brings on comedians. I know for the uh, for the Hawaii Gardens, was it Hawaiian Gardens or Hawaii Gardens? I can't quite remember. I'm sorry, guys, if I'm ever over in that uh, L.A. area. Please don't please don't shoot me. You guys are some badasses. But uh, yeah, for that episode, he brought on a uh, LAPD officer that was, you know, happened to be his his cousin. So, you know, the, he gets guys on there that are in that case, a, a bit can bring a bit more uh, light to the situation, bring a bit more context, help you learn a little bit more, but also on the guys like, you know, Charles Harrelson, where it's just like, you know, Woody Harrelson's dad was a prolific hitman who like may or may not have shot John F. Kennedy. It's kind of all hearsay at this point, but really all you need to know about the guy is one time he was high on intravenous cocaine and uh, thought there was a bomb in his car, so he got out of the car and shot it to make sure there wasn't a bomb in there, because coke brain. But I learned that from Fury's podcast. Uh, really, can't can't really, uh, uh, God, I can't recommend this one enough. And since it's kind of a fledgling podcast, no ads. If you want an hour and a half long thing with no ads whatsoever, this is something that you're going to want to... Uh, you're going to want to look into. So, uh, yeah, with that said, I think I've kind of, uh, waffled around in my personal life enough. So, uh, what this, what 30 minutes in the podcast, let's get into the fucking sports now, shall we? First and foremost off the bats, college football playoff committee decided eh, change is just, it's too much work. So we're just sticking with four teams. And, uh, committee said they'll reevaluate that situation uh, or decision in 2025 when the current contract is up uh personally bit disappointed uh i but i can see it from both sides uh on one hand i realize semifinal games uh they've been bad over the past eight eight seasons they've been bad over the past eight seasons uh of the 16 semifinal matchups uh only three of them were decided by 10 or fewer points you're getting a whole lot of blowouts whole lot of bad games and it's a reasonable question to ask as to whether adding more teams is going to alleviate that problem or not. So, I mean, I'm saying I think there's a well-founded case as to keeping the system. I mean, I've heard specifically from from people I know from uh, my, my buddy James, who you'll probably end up here in a bit in the, the football season. I got, got some stuff in the works to bring him in, but he doesn't this is probably a decision that he likes because he maintains that I mean there hasn't been any good games uh, most of the semifinal games are are blowouts and they all kind of end up the same anyways if you end up if you put the eighth team in there I mean you're just gonna get blowout city left and right it's just gonna be more shitty football it's just gonna put more money in, you know, the, the gritty corporate fat cats pockets, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, I can, I can see where they're coming from on, on that side of the aisle. Personally, 
I would have loved to see the bracket expand. Uh, I think it would have improved the uh, the end product on the field, just because right now you've got you got four teams: just Bama, Clemson, UGA, Ohio State. It was Oklahoma until Lincoln Riley left. With that said, I mean maybe USC might be finding its way in there too. But with that log jam at the top, it's. I mean, it's 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 warranted. They're the the usually the best four because I mean, they got the best recruiting bases, got the flashiest players, generally the best coaching staffs. I mean, my God, look at look at what Bama does. They just get all the the former head coaches that got head coaching gigs because they were you know great assistant coaches at one point in time. So I mean, you got all star coaching staffs like that, and so naturally those teams are more likely to get the nods from voters and the committee because I mean. Uh, they passed the eye test with flying colors. I mean, they're exciting to watch. They're super talented. However, that's not to say teams outside of that group of the perennial contenders can't be worthy challengers in a one-off season. I mean, just take Oregon in the first year of the college football playoff or Michigan and Cincy this year. I mean, these are teams that maybe every year aren't going to be in the mix for the college football playoff, but like every three years or so, they're going to maybe put together a team that can that can compete. And in this current system, you take away a lot of opportunities for smaller schools to get in to kind of make those those Cinderella runs like that to kind of kind of prove themselves. But I mean, just thinking in in the context of my own team, selfishly, I mean, Mississippi State, some years they're down at seven and five, like the past couple of years, like eight and four. But I think every three or four years, they they put together a team that can conceivably, like if they run the table in the West, can be like right on the fringe of that top five, maybe a top four spot. But with the way it's structured, if Mississippi State, I mean, let's just say they they go through everyone, they have, say, one loss that one loss is to Alabama. Alabama also has one loss. I think at that point, I mean, at that point, Mississippi State wouldn't have won the West, which is kind of kind of a given. So they're not a division winner, which means maybe they're ranked six. But, I mean, they're still a great team. That, that doesn't mean they're, they're going to be in a four-team playoff. But if you expand the schools, I mean... Let, let me let me go back. If you the system the way it is right now with Bama, Clemson, UGA, Ohio State, I've been rambling about this, talking in the circle for about five minutes about it. But at the top there, it's such a log jam that you see these teams up there over and over and over again because they may look better, they may technically be better on paper. But when you put them on the same field with some of these nominally less talented teams that have maybe more experience, uh, more more veterans on the team that can kind of weather a storm, maybe great college players that won't translate to the NFL necessarily, you can catch a team sleeping. You can actually be a better team in college than, you know, maybe if you put those two teams together on the pro level. So I don't like having the four teams because you just see the blue bloods over and over again. It's just been Bama, Clemson, Georgia, and Ohio State. I think I've said those four like a million times at this point, but it's been those four teams basically every year of the playoffs for the past eight seasons. 
So like, I don't know if you include, let me, let me, let me just put forth my idea. I think you get an 18 playoff. You include, you know, those, those top four that you usually have, but those, those last four behind it, you have some, some teams that, you know, maybe don't get a whole lot of shine. Like, I mean, just look at the 2017, 2018 UCF teams. They did not lose a single game in those years, but they finished eighth or 12th and eighth respectively. The year they finished 12th, I think they actually had a better team. They had Mackenzie Milton starting the entire season. I mean, with all the medical red shirts, he's just now leaving. Uh, on those teams outside of them, though, he, they got Mike Hughes, who was a first round pick by the Vikes, Shaquem Griffin, who was a fifth round pick, Gabriel Davis, who we remember catching four touchdown passes with the Bills this playoffs, Traquan Smith, third round pick with the Saints, uh, Tristan Hill, who's a key rotational player. I think he might be uh, starting nose tackle for the Cowboys right, right now. He's a second round pick. Uh, Jacob Harris, wide receiver, fourth round pick. Uh, Jordan Ak- Jordan Akins, third round pick, uh, the tight end. Um, s- safety, Richie Grant, who was a second round pick. Eight players right there that uh, got drafted just from those 17, 18 teams. You can't tell me they didn't deserve at least a shot to like, you know, I mean, you know, maybe they get completely killed by a Bama or a Clemson, but I think they at least deserve a shot to see if, see what they got, see what's in the tank at the end of the day. I mean, that's, that's all you can really ask for them at, at this point, right? Um, I think eight teams is a good, good, uh, model. I, I would even be, be okay with six teams. Six teams might actually be in a, even a little bit better because the drop off, I mean, I will be honest, the drop off after really even two is pretty significant from two to three, then three to four and, and so on from that. So, I mean, I do think there's enough teams that are flying under the radar that, you know, I, I keep throwing in Mississippi State just because they're my guys. But I mean, say even like an NC State, if they had like an, an undefeated year, they have like an NFL sort of quarterback, um, they end up like seventh or something. I don't think they should be out of the playoff. I feel like they should at the very least give us a chance to see with our own eyes that they would get absolutely just excoriated, crucified by an Alabama on a football field. But right now in this system where we don't even get to see that, like uh, it just leaves something to be desired. Maybe it's something that, I mean, we'll never get a perfect system, but with the way we got it right now, it's basically impossible to have like Cinderella type of blood, yeah, Cinderella type of runs because it's a bunch of blue blood teams. There's no one sneaking up on you. If you had an eight team system, I mean, let me just go through the teams that could have been in with an eight team system. You got UCF, Mississippi State in the inaugural year, Baylor, TCU, Stanford, Iowa, though, I mean, honestly, I'm not sure I want to subject American eyes, really any eyes to, to those last two I just mentioned, Stanford or Iowa. I mean, just think of the children. Just keep keep that away from young eyes. But Penn State, Wisconsin, USC, Florida, Ole Miss, all of those would have gotten in the dance with an eight-team system. And I'm thinking at least one of those teams, not a couple, would have upset the apple cart, added a little bit more excitement than what we're seeing every year where it's just like, oh, is this Bama Clemson part 15 right now? Or like, are we going to get something new and exciting? Oh, great. We're going to get 
Alabama, Georgia part two or three or whatever it's been in the college football playoff era. I mean, you add more teams, you get more excitement. It's simple as that. Of those teams I just named, there's a lot of names in that group that haven't gotten in the playoff that are huge TV draws. I mean, Florida, Penn State, USC specifically. I mean, Florida and Penn State looking at those guys. I don't know about USC just because the West Coast is is weird with football fandom, but Florida and Penn State, they got some real fucking cult of personality fanatics. I mean, the people in Penn State, they were outraged about tearing down Joe Paterno's statue. He harbored a pedophile on his staff. He harbored a pedophile on his staff, and they didn't want to take the statue down. That's how crazy they are about football in College Station. Not, not College Station, but at Penn State, dude. In Florida, it's fucking SEC country. They had Dan Mullen's wife down there just open mouth, kissing players in the mouth, just Frenching them. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that end of game like line took long as long as hell because, I mean, Mama Mullen was just making out with every player left and right. But like, they, they love they love their football down there. If they get in the playoff, even from a cold, cynical ratings perspective and revenue perspective, it's a slam dunk for everyone to have more teams in there. Um, you'd have the 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 slight hurdle of trying to figure out uh, exactly how you restructure the uh, the 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 bowl format because I mean with an eight team playoff that's that's now four bowls you got to set aside for a playoff instead of the regular two it kind of fucks up everything plus that entire crowd that was saying um, oh you're gonna you're gonna mess up college football you're gonna devalue games bruh, 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 devalue the championship season bruh, 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 bruh. Uh, this is not gonna help that um, I generally hate that argument as you can probably tell by my framing of that whole thing but uh, yeah I don't think there, there's there's a little bit to be said there because this will there there will be some resting as far as like teams that know like maybe you're at one or two and you got some very key players that are injured might need some resting in a key game. Like, I don't know the conference championship game. Um, yeah, I could, I could see that happening in a, in a multitude of different situations, but how is that really any different from uh, players sitting out bowl games already? I mean, the, and then the cat's already out of the bag on that one, as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I'm hoping Oh, I'm open in 2025 when they uh, reevaluate the situation. Um, they they kind of reconsider it. With that said, uh, history generally has not looked favorably on people who hinder progress. And uh, I don't think that's going to be any different here. I think this is eventually going to end up being like a 6-18 playoff, maybe even more. I hope it doesn't get too crazy. I do think that 12-team proposal was just fucking insane. Me and Zach had some some real disagreement on that. I think it would have been complete trash football. But eight, six or eight is a real, real system that I think they, they should have put in place. But I mean, we, we all know it's the NCAA, really not even the NCAA. It's the College Football Playoff Committee. At this point, college sports, who the hell even knows? That's that's the lip service I'm paying to uh, college sports for the day, though. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Hopefully that situation rectifies itself either way. I I miss I miss college football so much. I can't wait for I can't wait for this college football season. Can't wait to share it all with you as well. But moving on to the pros, we have got a big story in the NFL right now. Is Brian Flores surprisingly 
gets another shot at a coaching gig. Um, really not surprisingly from a merit perspective, just surprisingly from the fact that, I mean, stating the obvious here, he is suing the NFL right now. He's, he's suing like the, I mean, maybe not his, his direct employer, but like the overall entity that is the NFL. So I honestly did not see him. I, I kind of saw him like a lot like Colin Kaepernick. I mean, teams are just going to file him under the, the distraction category with all the off the field stuff and just not really give him a chance. But I mean, kudos to the Steelers going out, seeing a market inefficiency where a great coach, a former head coach who really his team improved every year he was there. Well, they didn't improve that last year, but taking, taking the team from one and seven to taking them up to, to nine and eight, being a winning team. I mean, that is something that's an absolute achievement. And if you can get that guy as a fucking defensive assistant, are you kidding me? I mean, and a guy that's like, I mean, I don't want to speak like too cold and cynically here, but I mean, he's probably not going to get a whole lot of looks for head coaching gigs going forward, you would imagine. So that's a guy you can keep in the fold, a really, really solid, young, talented coach, probably should still be a head coach that you've got on your, your staff for basically as long as you need. Hell, if you really want to, I mean, I don't know how long Tomlin wants to stick around, but Flores, that's a guy that, that's a guy that could learn under Tomlin, maybe get a little bit of a departure from the Belichick way, learn to, to deal with people a little bit more. I think that was his big bugaboo in, uh, in Miami outside of an organization that clearly didn't want to win. But, um, yeah, I think this is a, this is nothing but it. Can, this can only be a slam dunk hire from a football perspective for the Steelers, in my opinion. I mean, this is just kudos to them, specifically Mike Tomlin, for seeing a market inefficiency and capitalizing in a big way. I look for that that defense to be absolutely monstrous next year with what they have in place. Um, I think this is just speaking from the I mean the obvious political side of this, though. I mean, like it or not. There were a lot of situations where teams, frankly, wouldn't trust him. I mean, he wouldn't, and he wouldn't trust them either, which is, I mean, it's just not a good recipe uh, to get hired, not a good recipe for success when you're hired there. I think it's a totally different dynamic in the in the Steelers, though. Like, think about it. The Roonies, I mean, say what you want about the Rooney rule, but the Roonies have shown time and again, I mean, hiring Mike Tomlin back in the day when he was an unproven young black coach, uh, pushing for the Rooney rule, which I mean, it hasn't helped a lot, but there is empirical evidence to suggest that it has helped at least a little bit. So, I mean, that's credit where it's due there to the Roonies. You get to work under them as the ownership and you got Mike Tomlin, which I mean, outside of Belichick is maybe, well, not maybe the most stable head coach in the NFL. I mean, he's not going anywhere that's a guy that I talked about it before Flores can learn under um Tomlin's not gonna let anything happen not that it would be a locker room issue but even if even if it might be a locker room issue or an owner issue I think Tomlin's the type of person that can really separate football and off the field stuff really well and he will not tolerate any of that shit um I really think this is this is just an absolute slam dunk for the Steelers. Um, I feel like going forward next season, I don't know how the quarterback situation is going to work. 
that defense specifically, if there is there's a bet for them to be top 10, I mean, it's probably shitty odds because what the fuck? I mean, top third of the league? What, what, what are you, insane? I mean, <laughs> who's going to give you good odds on that? But I mean, they're, I would, I would be willing to place money that they're going to be a, a top 10 unit next year. Um, yeah, hopefully they can figure out QB. I'll, I'll say, I've said it once, I'll say it again. I don't care what the price is. Go get Kenny Pickett. Go get Kenny Pickett. Figure out the rest later. Uh, that's a guy that needs to stay in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm not the first one to think of this. I'm, I certainly won't be the last one to say it. Certainly won't be the last time I say it either. But uh, yeah, go out, get Penny, get, yeah, get Penny kick it and uh, thank me later. The guy is going to be, I don't, don't, don't give a fuck about his hand size. Dude's going to be an absolute stud. Just no brainer. Just, just pick him, move on, worry about the rest of your, your team. But uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's about it for that story. As far as what I'm, I'm willing to, uh, <laughs> to say on that one, uh, that, that, that kind of sounded bad, but anyways, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much all for that. All for that story. Really happy for uh, Brian Flores. I was really sad that he got, uh, or really disappointed rather that he got ousted from Miami in the first place. So I'm happy to see that the uh, the the lawsuit and everything that's surrounding that hasn't completely shot his chances of uh, of getting a job in in the foot. I mean, it's certainly a job he's overqualified for, but the fact that he's able to stay in coaching, let alone NFL coaching, I mean, that's really all he can ask for in this situation. Alrighty, took a quick break from listening to myself talk to take a few CBD hits, uh, take a drink of my cockle cola right quick, just uh, putting some cock in my mouth just to, just to soothe the soul a little bit. But now that I'm back and rambling in true form, the Vikings have filled out their coaching staff, uh, officially announced uh, KOC as their new head coach, uh, eat the rich KOC. I'm going to come up with something better that actually relates to football in the future, but, uh, I'm not going to call the guy Kevin O'Connell. I will call him KOC. That's something I'm just going to kind of nip in the bud. Now, big nicknames guy. If I got a nickname, love to throw it out there when I'm in a fun discussion like this, but just kind of going down the list of the hires, the major hires that, uh, Kevin O'Connell has made since the announcement was has been official since the uh, the Rams have gotten done with their Super Bowl parade and such. Ooh, celebrating. But <clears throat> starting at the top here, most important hire, in my opinion, Mike Pettin being hired as the uh, assistant head coach. Uh, I like the thought here. Pettin's experience allows him to help out with some of the more uh, nuanced aspects of being a head coach that KOC simply doesn't know yet. I mean, he he's wet behind the ears. I mean, I said it before he got into coaching in, I think, 2015. So he's been doing it six years now. He doesn't know what he doesn't know as far as as far as the head coaching position. And I'm not not sure. Not sure Sean McVay is the best uh, role model as far as situational awareness and play calling in situations when it comes to stuff like that. So I like the thought of bringing in a guy like Mike Pettin, Mike Pettin a, uh, a guy who's been around the league for, God, I think 32 years, 30 plus years at this point, um, knows what to do in what situation almost automatically. So I don't know if he's going to be, I mean, shadow coaching or anything like that, just making KOC a figurehead. But uh, I think in key situations when 
you know, getting late in the game or late in the half when, you know, it's a big situational moment. I do think he's going to drop into KOC's ear and just be like a, that valuable buffer to prevent some some glaring rookie head coaching mistakes like you saw with, like, Brandon Staley this past year with that uh, with that timeout. Like, with Mike Pettin there, I mean, maybe maybe you stop something like that. I mean, it's just, just another guy to, uh, an experienced guy to kind of bounce stuff off of just to make sure you don't absolutely shoot the team in the foot, which when you got a young head coach, I mean, a guy where I think Kirk Cousins might be like the same age as him. I mean, it's it's one of those things. You're going to have some growing pains. You're going to want a guy like Mike Pettin in the fold to kind of stabilize everything, fill in the gaps where KOC is deficient to start with while he just kind of comes along and uh, becomes a better head coach. So yeah, I like it there. Um, OC-wise, ended up hiring... Wes Phillips, with that said, KOC did say, uh, well, let me let me go back. Wes Phillips, um, he's the passing game coordinator for uh, the Rams this past season, uh, worked closely with um, with with Kevin O'Connell and doing a lot of the, the same type of roles that, that he was doing. Um, so I think they work well together. That's, that's the big thing as far as chemistry because I think he's going to have more of a schematic role because KOC did announce in his opening press conference when pressed about it that he would, um, geez, can't stop burping, y'all. Yeah, that, that, that cock just coming straight up my throat. You, you, you hate to see it. You never see it coming when it does, but when a cock comes out of your throat, I mean, it's vicious. But uh, yeah, what was I saying? KOC, in his opening press conference, did say that he's going to be calling plays. So... I don't not, not entirely sure what Wes Phillips' role will be. I'm I'm assuming it's going to be mostly from a schematic standpoint, like drawing up plays, uh, watching film, looking at uh, defensive tendencies and stuff like that. But uh, overall, I mean, I I like um, the direction they're going. Just basically, you look at like a lot of a lot of the hires here. I mean, outside of uh, the defensive coordinator, which we'll talk about next. Um, it's a lot of a lot of on the offensive side Rams guys where he just basically took like all of the Rams offensive staff except for one guy that they they blocked because they're like man you can't take everybody I mean this is the most valuable guy we got you got to leave us somebody but other than that I mean KOC just basically picked the cupboard clean as far as coaches that are in the building there and when you look at what the Rams do on offense I don't hate that strategy I mean it's a lot of Big, big into balance, big into creative run schemes. I mean, it's not like the Clint Kubiak scheme where, yes, it was balanced, but you're getting a lot of vanilla, like 1990s offense where it's like, yeah, you get some basic route concepts and you get a play action pass and you get run, run pass on like every, every uh, set of downs. That's not, not going to be the case, I think, with the, uh, with the Rams. You see a lot more. Uh, creative schemes as far as getting runners space, um, as far as uh, getting receivers open. Just look at what they did with Cooper Cup throughout the season with uh, Robert Woods moving him around, all the motions. So, I mean, the, you look at the Rams offense, they got jet sweeps, they got motions, all this stuff. And you translate that to what the Vikings have in place personnel-wise. I mean, say what you want about Kirk Cousins. He's, he's a solid quarterback. With the personnel you have around him, it shouldn't, he should be able to at least get the unit 
into a solid position. I mean, you got Justin Jefferson, you got Adam Thielen, uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, you got Alexander Madison, who's basically a clone of him right behind him. Um, you've got a solid offensive line. I mean, there's a hole here or there, but I mean, that's been the story for the Vikings for the past, I don't know, how long have I been alive? 25 years, something like that. I mean, it's it's just out of control at this point. But I mean, outside of that, you got even Tyler Conklin, Irv Smith, if he can stay healthy for more than three snaps in, in the next season or so. I mean, you got guys up and down. I mean, KJ Osborne as the third receiver, who's a second, second year player last year, really came on down the stretch. I mean, with the players we have in place, I don't see any reason. Maybe it's just the optimistic fan in me speaking. I don't see any reason that if you shore up the offensive line, this can't be a top five unit right away on that side of the ball. I mean, they have everything in place right now to just hit the ground running, especially with the the coaching staff they put in place. So I'm really excited to see that. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, though, they hired Ed Donatell, another guy uh, I haven't hadn't really heard a whole lot about. But uh, the more I look into him, the more I like He's got 40-plus years of defensive coaching experience. Uh, that's, I think, is 42 years to be exact, which is 17 years longer than I have been alive. Uh, I, You know, 17 years before I was born, he was just getting into the defensive side of the ball coaching football, which is just absolutely looney tunes. A guy with probably an encyclopedic information in his head as far as, like, defensive scheme. But what's more... He spent the past 10 seasons, really since 2011, basically being Vic Fangio's right-hand man, going back to the 49ers under Harbaugh uh, until 2014 when Harbaugh left. Then he followed, uh, he was the DB's coach under um, under Vic Fangio. Uh, ugh, Jesus Christ, let me start that over. <laughs> he was the DB's coach under Vic Fangio during the Harbaugh regime with the Niners. Um, After that, he moved on with Fangio to the Bears as the DB's coach. Same role there until Fangio got the uh, head coaching position with with the the Broncos, at which point uh, Donatell moved over to the Broncos as the defensive coordinator. So this is really like, this is Fangio's right-hand man. And Fangio, I mean, that was really my number one guy. Fangio is one of the best defensive coordinators out there, but... You talk about a guy like if you want the next best thing, getting his right-hand man who has been immersed in that defensive scheme for the past decade, a defensive scheme that retired players and current players alike swear by. People, I mean, players love Vic Fangio's scheme. You put that in with uh, Anthony Barr, uh, Eric Kendricks. Honestly, I don't think the Neil Hunter is going to make it past the uh, the cuts here. We got to get, we got to shave off. $15 million of cap from the roster before the uh, the new league year. So, I mean, Daniel Hunter's a nice, fat, juicy stack to cut off there. Probably won't have him, but you got Harrison Smith, young secondary out there. You added a, uh, add a, um, a good defensive mind like Donatell in there. You know, obviously bring in some reinforcements because, I mean, it's hard to really get an upgrade from what Zimmer brought you as far as a defensive mind goes. But, uh, yeah, I do think Donatell is not too much of a drop-off in that standpoint. I'm really excited to see what he does with all of the, the personnel on that side of the ball. I think it's the one thing be interested to see is I think he runs a 3-4 scheme, whereas traditionally you think of 
okay, you got two, got the, the Vikings are in a, a four, three, two big defensive ends. You got like Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, uh, that, that sort of thing. Whereas with a three, four scheme, you're going to get like, uh, like the Broncos had Nick Chubb on one side and they had Vaughn Miller on the other side, which is, you know, two outside linebackers. So you might see Anthony Barr reprising his, uh, UCLA role or UCLA role as a pass rusher, which honestly coming out of college, he was a, he was a more, uh, vaunted pass rusher. He was more known for being a pass rusher than he was any of his other skills. The fact that he had those other skills and really turned those into his strengths when he got into the NFL was just, I mean, it was just gravy on top, more of a surprise than anything else for, for me personally watching it. But maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's been, gosh, I don't know how long Barr has been with the team at this point, but it's been a long time since Barr has taken edge reps. Uh, that's the one thing I'll be interested to see just, how it works out as far as the transition there because it's hard on from a defensive front standpoint to make a clean transition from a 4-3 to a uh, 3-4 just basically over the course of one offseason which is you know that's another reason why I think maybe the Neil Hunter I mean he's either gonna have to put on 30 pounds and become a four a 3-4 defensive tackle or shed off a few pounds and become an outside linebacker, a three, four outside linebacker, or he's going to get cut, which is probably what's going to end up happening. Because like I said, they're projected to be like $15 million over the cap next year. So yeah, anyways, very excited to see how uh, Donatel works it there going forward overall on the offensive and defensive sides. Really, really like the hires. Very excited. I think it's a lot of inspired hires, not a whole lot of like old, cookie cutter hires that you would you would see in a lot of places so very excited but taking a stop off real quick at uh the special teams coordinator wasn't going to talk about this but uh kind of looked more into it more into the guy and it's very intriguing uh matt daniels young guy very very young guy just got into coaching um in 2018 um he, he's going to be the special teams coordinator only 32 years old don't know much about the guy admittedly I think he played four seasons in the NFL though uh bounced around between I think three different teams think he took mostly special teams reps and I think retired or the game retired him in 2015 and then transitioned to coaching in 2018 has been a special teams assistant every year since then with the Rams and then the Cowboys this past season um, he's a bit unproven, but I think there's this, there's this immeasurable value to having that on field context to bring to the table, uh, as a player. Um, a lot of these special teams coordinators, they haven't been on the field. They haven't been between those lines. They don't have a firsthand view of what their, I, I guess, schemes for lack of a better term. I mean, you don't necessarily have a whole lot of scheme and in, in special teams outside of blocking and, and whatnot. But if you have that perspective from a player's perspective, I mean, it's a lot like, like say, I mean, you start out on a factory floor and you work your way up to management. That guy is going to be probably be a better management than someone that just came straight out of college, went bumped straight from that college degree, straight into management. They're probably going to go under a lot more 
respect. The, the guy that worked his way up is going to garner a lot more respect, probably going to communicate better, probably going to understand the plight of his employees better uh, than the guy that's just coming straight out of college. So, I mean, it's the same same sort of concept here where Daniels has, he started as a player, been in special teams basically his entire career, just kind of immersed himself in special teams. Um, is He's worked his way up, paid his, I mean, paid his dues. He's only an assistant for, well, he's still an assistant, but a lower level assistant for three years, but I feel like he paid his dues as a player a bit more. I feel like this is an absolutely inspired hire. I think this experience as a player, I don't think it can hurt. I I don't think it, it guarantees his success by any means, but I don't think it hurts. I think it definitely helps to be able to to visualize the game, to maybe be able to communicate to his players. Uh, I've said it about every coaching position at this point, but I mean, it's just basically me being a fan. I am, I'm, I'm really, this one might be the, the one I'm pumped about most. We might not be able to keep him very long because I'm very, I think this is just going to be a gangbusters type of hire as a special teams coordinator. But the guy, I don't know. This just like, I don't know anything about the guy, but just from his background, the way he was sought after by Kevin O'Connell to get this job at such a, a young age. I mean, maybe I'm just being a little bit too optimistic about it, but I am very excited to just see how he does being in this position of leadership already. I feel like there's going to be growing pains really from the very beginning. There's going to be some sloppy football with this team really from the start next year. I mean, I no denying that. I mean, I can't can't really get around it. But I think you're going to see a lot of growth, and I'm excited to see where that growth happens or and really what that blossoms into going forward. Because I think, I mean, with what they put together, I think they can definitely, they can definitely make a run just this next year already. I mean, they just, it's, it's the NFL with a, they got a salary cap. It's basically just like institutionalized socialism. So, I mean, everyone's got a chance on a given year. This is, this is, we, we got a chance. All right. Just let, let me, let me live in this delusion for a second. Okay, guys. But, uh, less on the actual hiring decisions, more on kind of KOC's comments from the actual, um, media availability. God, I'm kind of, kind of stumbling through this one, but, uh, I'm about 90% sure Kirk Cousins is going to stay as the QB next season. I mean, going into it, I've, I've kind of heard from, you know, the smart people like, like Mina Kimes, uh, the people that, you know, watch the all 22 and understand scheme way better than I probably ever will. Um, they, they understand they, they were saying that, uh, it's probably getting Kevin O'Connell probably means that Kirk Cousins is coming back this year. Um, it's a, it's a system I mean, it's basically that Kyle Shanahan type of system that he had a good amount of success with in um, Washington. Uh, that being said, if Kwesi Adolfo Mensa gets a, a knock-your-socks-off type of deal offer from a team, I don't think he's going to say no to it. Um, I definitely... Like, if someone offers a first-round pick for uh, Kirk Cousins and offers, like, a player with it, I mean, they're going to take that in a heartbeat. I mean... The, <laughs> It's make no mistake. Just because they're okay with having Kirk Cousins in town doesn't mean they're married to the idea of keeping the guy around in the long term. Like I think the only reason 
keeping Cousins around is such an attractive option this year is because, well, obviously, KOC seems to like him. I mean, he gushed about his accuracy, talent, blah, 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 all of all of that stuff in his uh, his, his press conference. But, uh, yeah, sticking with Kirk Cousins right now, in this situation, not the worst thing in the world. I mean, with this, I've talked about it before, but this year's QB class, I mean, outside of Kenny Pickett, I think Kenny Pickett is going to start in, be a proficient starter right away, but outside of him, it's a bunch of development projects. And if you can't get Kenny Pickett, I mean... I'm, I've never been a huge uh, QB free agency guy. I mean, maybe maybe take a stab at, at throwing Jameis in there. I don't know. That's not necessarily the guy I would want in there with a young head coach, but that's just me. But I think Kirk might be one of the best, if not the best options out there for just this coming season. I think it makes sense with the contract situation. He's only got one year left in the deal. They could extend him, but I think that's a huge mistake. Um, in all reality, I think they're just gonna, I mean, basically let him play out this year. Then we all go our separate ways and then just forget this ever happened. We can get a new QB. I mean, no one wants to keep a holdover QB from the previous regime. No GM wants to keep, no GM, no coach. No one wants to keep a holdover QB, no matter how much you like the guy. You want to draft your own guy in there and just build it up from, from scratch. So, I mean, I assume, if not this year, next year, Adolfo Mensa, especially with, uh, at least from, from the surface looking at it now, looks like a much deeper QB class next year. I think he's going to be very aggressive in drafting one next year. But this year, I think they're kind of kind of stuck with Kirk. And I talked about it before. Kirk is a great transitional QB. He's a guy that can write the ship while uh, KOC kind of comes into his own. Um, I think they got an incredibly complimentary uh, coaching staff there. I think they can play to his strengths really well. I think having a guy in there like Kirk Cousins allows you to really compete for playoffs, maybe even go deep in the playoffs. Right now, I mean, he's not the guy. I do think that he's a bum masquerading in pro bowlers clothing right now, but there's much, much worse quarterbacks than Kirk Cousins. And I think you can win with Kirk Cousins if you have like a, just a gangbusters defense and an awesome cast around him, which I think, think we can have in there, but that's enough about me uh, waxing philosophically as a, as a Vikings fan. Let's move on to college basketball where we got a story that I feel like was just tailor-made for this podcast. Jawan Howard. Oh, you probably know about this already, given that this is coming out on Wednesday. But man just decided to choose violence. Uh, suspended for the, the rest of the season following an altercation in the, uh, the post-game handshake line. Just absolute mayhem. An entire shit show that I just, I mean, just chef's kiss really really enjoyed watching from afar but uh in lieu of a college basketball overview which i mean i i was gonna do but then video games happen i mean this is you know it's a little more in my wheelhouse so i'll i'll i'll, I'll stop in here real quick but following a comfortable win by wisconsin i think it was like 14 or 15 uh tempers flared in that post-game handshake line uh, it all stemmed from a timeout by Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard. Uh, they were up 17 with under a minute to go. And uh, 
Greg Gard took a a timeout. That was about the most awkward way I could have phrased that. But uh, understandably, Jawan Howard was pretty hot. And, I mean, this is about a minute left in the game. So it's not like he had a lot of time to to cool off and let that just kind of simmer. He was coming fresh off of that into the post-game handshake line. And, I mean, it looked like Greg Gard initially was coming over to just kind of smooth over the situation. Like, hey, I didn't mean anything by it. This This is all it was. But, uh it quickly escalated from there. Uh, Howard was having none of that shit. I mean, whether it was guard's story or his approach to the whole situation, uh, pretty quickly, I mean, you had Howard putting putting his finger in guard's face, coaches separating them. Um, really, you, you had a mob coming in, and then, you know, it, it was just escalating. It was escalating. It all culminates when you got this big mob in the middle. You got a Wisconsin assistant wedging himself between the two head coaches, which are still kind of in the middle of this whole thing. He's pushing towards Howard, yelling some shit, which I assume was mad disrespectful. So at this point, Howard just surged forward, threw a punch at him. And from there... All hell ensued for about 15 seconds. You got players pushing each other. I'm I'm pretty sure I saw punches thrown at various points. I know Jawan Howard was still fucking getting it. But, I mean, absolute pandemonium happening. I mean, not, not great for Michigan or Wisconsin as far as uh, the look of the program goes. I think uh, when, when you take a... Take a, a a step back and just get a look at this from a a bird's eye view perspective. I mean, the fans were booing. No one really loved this. I know Big Cat. I mean, uh, shout shout out Big Cat. He was having maybe the best night of his life trolling the Michigan faithful about about Juwan Howard with with anger issues and him not being a Michigan man and all that stuff. So I mean, kudos to him for having the time of his life. But. Uh, Honestly, this isn't really like, I don't, I don't hate this, you know, like, like it's not the worst thing in the world to have these sort of vitriolic rivalries. Like you don't want it escalating into like all out, like conflict like this. Like this got fucking crazy and and dystopian, but like that when there's no players that stick around more than one year that, that have like any sort of name recognition, you need some vitriolic rivalries like this to kind of sweeten the pot a little bit for the viewers. Because, I mean, I don't know any fucking names in college basketball. I know Chet Holmgren and Paolo Banquero, and that's because I learned about them in the Maui Invitational, which is the only college basketball I've really watched outside of this Louisville-North Carolina game, which is actually pretty good, that I'm watching right now while this is recording, but I haven't really been paying attention I just realized it's a one-point game. Pretty good fucking game. College basketball is great. But anyways, with the one-and-done rule, it's hard It's hard to get any name recognition. And really, in, in the NBA, it's all player-driven. You don't have these sorts of like team rivalries. In the college ranks, I feel like it has to be team-driven because all the best players are there for one year and they're gone the next. Either that or they go to smaller schools so you don't, know them in the first place. So, I mean, for better or for worse, the one and done rule has completely destroyed name recognition. And I don't hate it. I think it's, you know, it's it's the player's right, given the rules in place, to 
go into school and then leave after one year. But the product of that is, can you name who the best players were two seasons ago? Because I, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I really can't. Like I, I remember Cade Cunningham was the guy last year, but the year before, pfft, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Could could not tell you. And that's that's the biggest problem. And on top of that, you don't really have a whole lot of these vitriolic rivalries outside of the the Duke U and the Duke UNC rivalry in basketball, which is just like, you know, it's it's an all-time classic. Outside of that, I don't know. I feel like it, even if you gotta manufacture it, bringing in some good old fashioned aggression can only help. I mean, obviously you don't want physical altercations, physical fights. But if you get some pushing and shoving, some jawing back and forth, I mean, it's it's just, it's good for the ratings. And all you people that are going to cry the moralist argument and be like, you're sullying the reputation of the game, you know, fuck you. <laughs> I don't, you're, 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 you're a boring person. You're a stick in the mud. We shouldn't be catering to your whims. Honestly, you are not the person that knows what real entertainment is. So I don't, I don't, don't respect it. All right. This is what entertainment is. This is what people of my generation want. And bottom line is people of my generation have a much longer shelf life as a customer at 25, say, than you 65 year old man who wants to see things go back to the way they were. I mean, you've maybe got like a like a 20-year runway, good, good runway. You got lots of lots of years left to just really enjoy the golden years of your life in retirement. But uh, I've got like a 60-year runway of uh, watching time. Uh, doing the the quick math at home, uh, 60 divided by 20. That is three times as much runway before I am dead, which is three times as much lifetime customer value. That's uh, bringing in some business school terms here for you. So naturally, they're going to want to cater to me a little bit more. So that's what I'm, that's just, just put it out there. Maybe a little bit more hatred, a little bit more pettiness, not a, not a bad thing, but I do want to go back to this specific, uh, instance because I, I feel like the hallmark of my personality is like, I don't know how to describe it. I'm, I'm very, I don't know if detached is the right word, but I have a, I have a, a knack for just like in the moment kind of putting myself at a bird's eye view and just appreciating the overall ridic ridiculousness of a situation. And let me just, <laughs> let me just, let me just paint a picture for you of what this like whole brawl was. And the broadcast is supposed to be ending on this display of sportsmanship as, you know, the play-by-play -play guys reading off the end credits and, you know, you got the, the CBS theme plan reading off the end credits like, oh yeah, such and such, you know, thanks for coming out. We got the producers here. Thanks to the people who dress us. Thanks to the producers, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Uh, what ended up happening was <laughs> the CBS college basketball team was just playing like, while, you know, you just see like slowly escalating, like hands on lapels. Fingers and faces, all out brawl. All the while, you just have this theme song playing in the background, where it's just like, man, just just take a step back, 
and appreciate just how ridiculous and dystopian having that ridiculous, upbeat, positive CBS college basketball team <laughs> as a background, as a background uh, soundtrack for just two teams laying into each other, just showing showing the best of what the sport has to offer. Definitely not the uh, the branding that CBS wanted to <laughs> wanted to associate with. But uh, yeah, the, in moments like that, the only advice I can give to all of you out there is just not to get on your soapbox about how, the, oh, this is ruining the game, this is bad for the game. Just take a step back and appreciate just how utterly dumb and ridiculous the, the whole situation is. I mean, really just my, my God, what, what in the entire hell? Um, anyhow, that's kind of a, an awkward spot, but I was going to do gambling picks, but uh, I'm going to have to find out a different way to do that. Um, I think I might have to just tack this on at the end because I do want to, I want to incorporate some gambling in there. The problem is I record this on Mondays, edit on Tuesdays, post on Wednesdays, which means any of these picks... I basically have to post them. I mean, they got to be picks for Wednesday. I can't be picking Monday or Tuesday games for a show that's going to come out on a Wednesday. Otherwise, it's just like, okay, what's what's the fucking value of these picks? So, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe circling back around tomorrow when I'm editing this and just kind of quickly recording... Uh, my two cents as far as, like, what gambling picks I want to do. But, uh, yeah, I want to make gambling a bigger part of this podcast just because, I mean, full disclosure, it really wasn't that big of a part of the previous iteration of the cast. Excuse me, just because, I mean, sports gambling wasn't legal up in, in um, Zach's area, so he didn't have a big big desire to talk about it, big desire to look into it much. So, I mean, it was basically just like me who is an avid sports gambler who like probably should cut down a little bit, but uh, if you got a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, you motherfucker. But uh, yeah, it's it's me who's like a borderline degenerate and Zach who's just like, eh, I'm feeling a little left out. So yeah, I kind of steered away from it in the previous iteration. This time around, now that it's just me though... I want to incorporate the gambling more. Gambling's the future. Everyone loves gambling. If you have sports gambling in your state and you love sports, you realize how much of a game changer it is. I mean, sports gambling is one of the things that, like, I feel like I was losing my love for football. Sports gambling helped me re rekindle it just by getting some getting some stakes in the game, getting that adrenaline rush, which is probably the exact opposite of the thing that they're uh, they they tell you to do when you're you're placing bets. But uh, I'm I'm smart enough, I guess. So you know, there, there's that. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'll I'll either uh, awkwardly end this after after this little uh, diatribe I just went on, or I will um, insert my gambling picks tomorrow because yeah, there's no lines out for Wednesday games because I mean it's it, it is the off season, it is the off season. No football to bet on. Cupboard's a little bit bare. Not gonna I'm not gonna put out. Look. 
look, guys, I know the NHL is out there trying to learn a little bit more about hockey, but I'm I'm not going to, on a public platform, put out picks for hockey because I don't know a goddamn thing about the players. The only thing I know about the players is some of them, some of the players that have like crazy names like Kachuk. What a name, Kachuk, Ilya Kachuk, or maybe it's Ilya Kovalchuk. Either way, the hockey names are insane. I mean, other than that, though, I just love seeing people skate fast and hit the shit out of people. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily going to get big into the gambling space there. Mostly going to be focused on basketball through the end of the NBA season, I would probably say. Then, who knows? I mean baseball says they're I, I think the owner set like a hard deadline for when they want a deal done like end of February or end of Mar- I don't know exactly when it was the thing is those guys fucking if there was any one league of the major American sports leagues that I was going to say might have a protracted lockout it is MLB because the players association for the MLB is I think it's the strongest. It's considered the strongest of all four major sports leagues by a pretty good margin, and it, it shows in the fucking the fucking contracts they end up getting when it's all said and done. But um, as a result of that, I think there's a pretty vitriolic, uh, ten contentious, well, definitely contentious relationship between the ownership and the the players' association, which. <laughs> it, it, is just a recipe. It's a powder keg for a protracted lockout, which is not good for a sport that's retracting in popularity right now. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe if baseball's around, I will um, put out some picks for that. But I'm also not a huge baseball guy either. I'm just like okay at statistics. That's the only way I would ply my craft there. So like yeah, that that being said, I'm not holding my breath. I do think this lockout might be protracted. That's that's coming from a guy, self-admittedly, not a baseball guy, just looking at two separate entities that could not hate each other more from what I see. But uh, yeah, mostly basketball here. Ah, sorry, just had to chug some cock like my life depended on it. Um, yeah, mostly basketball picks here. Um Maybe you'll hear me tomorrow. Maybe some soccer picks, too. I got some friends that are really into soccer that I might be able to get a little insight from, if you know what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah. Hi, it's me, Caleb, a full 24 hours after the initial recording. Here to uh, come back and give you some gambling picks here that I didn't give you yesterday because the lines weren't out. Before that, though... Uh, I did remember, uh, after I recorded, uh, just gonna stop by real quick just to mention it because I think it's pretty hilarious. The whole, uh, combine starting off as a bubble situation, then, uh, them immediately acquiescing pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, they did not read the room at all (laughs) and, uh, they did not think that this would be a fuss, which I'm not sure why they didn't considering, I don't think anyone's actually been bubbling. Maybe this is just me living in the southern United States and living in my bubble that way. But uh, I don't think anyone's been bubbling for, like, months. Like, I mean, there was that huge Omicron surge at the beginning of the year and at the end of uh, 2021. 
But like outside of that, I mean, it's kind of calmed down since then. Again, that may just be my my southern bias uh, creeping in. I don't know. I'm just an ignorant guy who just fucking drives around in a car all day. Uh, that being said, trying to be more informed because I mean, we we should all we should all strive to right. Uh, that being said, kind of rambling a little bit. Let's get to the gambling picks this week. Um, we're coming off NBA All-Star break, so, um, no lines, no games really until Thursday, so had to wait a little bit on the lines, and these lines very well might be completely different by the time this comes out tomorrow, because, I mean, it's a full, I mean, I'm recording this Tuesday night, it's a full two days before really any of these games are, are even played, so, hey, hopefully you get them at good numbers, hey, maybe you get them at even better numbers than what I got here, but, uh, yeah, really, moral of the story here, I am taking some real, real shots in the dark. Uh, not not really going to be able to go with my, my bread and butter, the the player props, because they, those don't really come out until, like, really, really close up on, uh, on what's it called? On tip-off there. I've got my, got my wires uh, crisscrossed thinking it was kickoff because, you know, I miss football going through withdrawals, still trying to, to not turn back to meth or something to, to fill the void in the meantime. But anyways, with that said, I uh, got three picks for you, all of them in the NBA, all on Thursday night for when the, uh, the NBA gets back and swing after the All-Star break. But starting off from the top here, I have got the Bulls minus four at home versus the Hawks. I mean, I just feel like the Bulls, they've been an absolute team this season I mean with Levine being the stud that he's always been DeRozan playing out of his mind in a way that he really hasn't his entire career that whole young core they have there they've just been absolutely bursting on the scene this year and I mean the Hawks on the other side I mean it's like it's kind of hard for Trey Young to to carry the team when he's not able to do as much uh, insurance fraud if you know what I'm saying uh getting to the get into the foul line there. So yeah, the Hawks have been inconsistent at best this year. I mean, I love John Collins, love Trey Young, love uh, DeAndre Hunter there as well. Tyler, not Tyler Hero, but uh, Kevin Herter. Um, I mean, yeah, I lo- love the core there, but at the end of the day, they're just just an average team at best. And this Bulls team can just absolutely go. I feel like DeMar DeRozan's going to have another one of those nights where, I mean, purebred score we're gonna probably score over 30 points get hit that uh 50 plus percentage mark again or be right around it and uh bull should win this one comfortably if i had to guess which that's the whole point of this segment all right so bulls minus four there next one up we got nuggets at the kings minus four and a half uh the kings are at home in this one so i mean you know they got the home field advantage but uh no amount of home court advantage can change the fact that uh, this team absolutely fucking stinks. I mean, the Kings are, I think, when I checked before this podcast, I want to say it was 22-38 and 38 was their record right now. Just absolutely atrocious. I mean, the Nuggets haven't been, I mean, world beaters this year. I think they're like 33-25 and 25 or something. But, I mean, they're not abjectly terrible. They have something to play for. In fact... This is right after the All-Star break when the season really starts to kick into gear. I mean, I think a lot of NBA players kind of say the regular season doesn't matter, quote-unquote. But after the All-Star break, pretty much all of those games start to matter. And I think this Nuggets team, 
being where they are right now, want to make a, a strong push going into the playoffs, and that starts at the Kings on Thursday night. I think they probably, you know, Jokic controls the game the way he usually does in his patented fashion, being the, the big, lovable, skilled, awesome, I mean, I don't want to say unathletic because he generally, being a professional athlete, is probably a better athlete than me or many of the listeners here, but like, I mean, when you see a guy like that, you see like, okay, that's the common man representing all of us in in this uh, game of absolute freak athletes and just mopping the floor with everybody. But yeah, really rambled on in that one. But yeah, Jokic, I think is going to have a big game in this one. You know, regular old stuff, minus four and a half. I think they'll probably end up winning by double digits in this one. So yeah, Nuggets, big. Anyway, moving on to the third one. And this one, <laughs> more than really any of the other ones I picked in this uh, in this segment, uh, just a complete shot in the dark, totally based on personal biases. And you're, you're getting that from me, admittedly, right out front here. But I got the Grizzlies minus one and a half at the T-Wolves. And I mean, the T-Wolves aren't even particularly bad. Like, <laughs> they, they have a winning record. Cat uh, just won the uh, three-point contest, which, by the way, a center-winning three-point contest. We are we are living in quite an era of the NBA. The modern NBA is something fucking wild where seven-footers are winning the three-point contest. But I digress there. That's all to say the T-Wolves have a solid squad, but I just can't get that image out of my head of just, ugh. I mean, the fucking the T-Wolves, dude. I mean, the T-Wolves, they had the best year they've had in, like, the past, like, 20 seasons is an eight seed with, like, Wiggins and Towns, and I think they got swept in the first round anyway. So, it's, when, you got, when you got the Grizzlies on the other side with John Morant, who, I mean, basically every smart, heady player in the NBA is saying, hey, this John Morant kid is, he's an absolute, like, I don't know if specimen's the right word, but he's a great athlete, wiry, explosive guy. But he is really special in the mental aspects of the game. And yeah, I mean, that guy on the other side, plus you got like Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks. I'm sure there's another young player in there I'm, I'm, I'm missing. But the Grizzlies have been doing real well this year. Just talked about it coming out of the All-Star break. Want to want to close down a stretch real well. Uh, yeah, I think yeah starts here. Go with the Grizzlies. Minus one and a half is basically a pick em. So yeah, I think the Grizzlies end up winning by two points or more in this game against the T-Wolves. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to seamlessly transition you right into the outro. If that was, uh, if, <laughs> if you just jumped straight from the uh, the little diatribe straight into the outro, well, that's good. All right. Guess I guess I was too lazy to go through the, uh, go through the picks. But if you are getting here from the picks hope you enjoyed those picks hope you make some money off those picks i hope no i probably didn't because i'm i'm poor and can't bet on all these every week you know but uh that's all for this episode the first episode in the books of the new iteration of unqualified analysis so excited to be doing this um don't think it went terribly don't think it went awesome but it'll only get better from here uh if you enjoyed subscribe leave a five star rating so we can grow this bad boy a little bit if you didn't enjoy it, just keep removing my guy. Uh, but like, tell people it was good anyways. You know, I think spreading misinformation is uh, is a good way to get in power. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of dictators have shown that's a it's a good way to do it. And I think it's a good way to uh, 
to get uh, people on board too. So just tell people it's the best podcast you've ever heard. Well, honestly, you don't want to you don't want to set the expectations too high. But hey, tell them to give it a listen, share it around, I'm trying to grow this a little bit because I'm just you know, I'm a t- t- twenty five year old guy just trying to trying to make his way in life. In this point, then I don't know how the form works. Anyways, done rambling on that point. Episodes are released every Wednesday, once a week through the off season. We're back to episodes twice a week, maybe even more, depending on what I decide to do with the cast. I got some shit in the works, folks, in my brain. Maybe not in like actual reality, but all I'll be doing on the road during the days is thanking. So look for some of that to be put into practice come the fall season. But for now, just one episode of the week. Going to be back to multiple uploads come the football season. Follow me on all my socials at Caleb Verzak. Link will be in the description so you don't have to spell my fucked up Eastern Block name. It's not really that hard, but you'd be surprised how bad people just completely take a butcher knife to that one. Uh, anyways, if you want to contact the show, shoot me an email at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That's unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Just put in all caps business or show in the... Uh, first word of your subject line so you can be categorized appropriately still haven't got any emails left but i'm gonna keep putting out that bird call like i'm, I'm just a, a parakeet I'm gonna keep beating that horse i'm actually you know what i love animals i'll i'll keep i'll keep beating that tree to death i don't know fuck trees they're pieces of shit anyways uh anyways with that said um fuck trees uh jair bolsonaro for president Nah, just kidding. I fucking hate that guy. But uh, anyways, thanks for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. Uh, and as always, if that, that last bit was any uh, indication, I've got no clue what I'm talking about. Uh, see you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the, uh, the new iteration. See ya.